Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Okay, so what kind of person are you when you are on a tour? And I mean, like, you have gathered with a group of people and you're listening to a tour guide. Oh, I feel like having done so many tours with students, I feel like I'm the one that has to be, like, the engaged one all the time. Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. I have to be the one asking questions because middle school students are very shy and awkward and Mm -hmm. don't know how to um, (laughs) talk to adults outside of their sphere. Right. Um, So, I feel like I'm the facilitator um, Mm -hmm. if we're giving my Enneagram to you. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. Engage or facilitator. Yeah. Yeah, and so I feel like... Please, sir. (laughs) (laughs) What else is now? (laughs) Please give me the gold star. Uh Um, But I feel like that is something that I do, like, on tours now, too. I'm also, like, it's out of curiosity. Just being a teacher, I don't want to have this person, like, flounder and, like, be like, does anybody have any questions? I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask a question because I know what it's like to do that and, like, have everybody just blankly stare at you. Yeah. I'm like, cool, I'm glad you were all listening. (laughs) Right. <laughs> right, right, right. So I am an empathetic tour <laughs> taker. I see. I see. Yeah, what about you? I think, I mean, as someone who also comes from teaching, I mean, tour guiding is teaching. Mm-hmm. It is. It's it a is. form, yeah. you know? I have to actively go, this is not a time or a space for you to be judgmental of someone else's teaching style. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm always like, hmm. We could have saved this. We didn't need this piece of information now. We could have saved it for later. Um, we have where's so many. Where's the hook? <laughs> where's the hook? We have so many questions that are coming up about this one thing. Like now would be a great time to really like sit in it and ask questions about mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Like we're not acknowledging it. Like I have, it's hard to not have notes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just who I am. And so it's a great moment for me to go. You get to just participate mm-hmm. and you can participate in a way that is supportive of this person, right? Yeah. Uh, tours, I mean, we even talked about this with Emily and Megan recently mm-hmm. on uh, the trail, trail mix with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like tactics for engagement from tour guides, it's like I would love to give a like whole 
TED Talk, not just TED Talk, but like a workshop, a professional development workshop on just like things we can do differently on tours mm-hmm. that have been done historically forever that just no longer really serve anybody. Sure. Right? Like asking questions you already know the answer to, mm-hmm. right? Does anyone know who was um, the vice president of the chamber in 1952? Of course not, because we aren't you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course nobody knows that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I get really frustrated and then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm tuned out. I'm just going to read now. You know what I mean? Like, So we've come to this cold open with criticism. <laughs> we have. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just watching yep. people tap dance and I'm like, it's okay, baby, we can make it. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I do. I've got criticisms, mm. but I say that because I like to be on tours and I mm-hmm. like to learn because I am curious mm-hmm. and I'm also like, and we can also elevate. Sure. Grow from love. Looking for adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes, and open your heart when you get at the National Park At the National Park At the National Park Follow you, I'll follow you We would like to acknowledge that while hiking in Indiana Dunes National Park that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Kickapoo, Peoria, Kaskaskia, Potawatomi, and Miamia people. Okay, so we finished the last episode. We had just finished up the three dune challenge. Right in the state park at Indiana Dunes. That's right. Yeah. Indiana Dunes State Park, which mm-hmm. is nestled inside of mm-hmm. Indiana Dunes mm-hmm. National Park. Yes. And obviously, upon visit, visit all of the Indiana Dunes Absolutely. State Park and National Park. Yes. But but because we are gluttons for punishment, we decided that we wanted to do not one, not two, but three more things <laughs> this day. Don't care how I want it now. That's right. Mm-hmm. We're just sort of like, okay, we got time. Let's go. Well, it was only like 11 o'clock. We did, but we <laughs> yeah. had done a lot. We had done a lot. I, yeah. I think most folks after doing 9, 10, and 2, then the 3 Dune Challenge would be like, I'm turning in. No, not us. Right? Not us. No. However, we didn't exactly know what our plan was going to be. No. So, we knew that Mount Baldy was a thing that we yep. were interested in, but we didn't exactly know how that was going to play into our day. So um, we decided to take our moment and go to the visitor center because we wanted our patches and our badges, and you wanted to look at t-shirts because what else have is our there? visitor center moment, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Yeah, our visitor center moment. I do say over the years has gotten a little bit longer than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It used to be Mike would time me, and he mm-hmm. would have a little like stopwatch yep. and he would say you have 30 seconds mm-hmm. to go in and out yep. and if you don't then I'm leaving you here mm-hmm. in the car <laughs> in the car abandonment yep. so yes Who, um, who's having some issues now <laughs> <laughs> 
So we drive over to the visitor center and it is, it's a lovely little visitor center. It looks like it was designed by the same folks who designed most of the quote unquote new public schools of the late 90s. It was brick and cinder block, it had a green metal roof. There was a half cylinder dome entryway, probably called a breezeway. Because that is all schools I feel like have a breezeway, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that a term that I always hear at a school? Houses have breezeways too. No. I've never yes. heard of someone say it's in the breezeway. Mm. Well, if you have like a space, like an an like a overhang that goes between your house and your garage, that's considered a be- a breezeway. Oh, a breezeway. Stop. It is. That is an architectural term. It's not just okay. for schools or public buildings. Please comment and let us know, everybody, if you have a home with a space that you regularly call breezeway. Well, I mean, you know, some people do. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just well, saying it I have like you were disagreeing with only me. heard that term in like public school, maybe church, maybe business architecture settings. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Yeah. We do take a moment to stroll through the visitor center. It had a ton of interpretive information inside, mm-hmm. including there was a little bit about the little brown bat and there. They had a little, little thing. Brown bat. Little brown bat mm-hmm. is its name. And they had a taxidermied little brown bat underneath a glass case. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All your dreams coming true <laughs> yep. in one place. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of makes sense that the architecture here is like so evocative of a school because this is actually a proper education center. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of rooms. It's got a lot of meeting rooms, a lot of halls, exhibit halls. A lot of breezeways. A lot of breezeways. Mm-hmm. And like great architecture for it because like there's like cathedral wooden ceilings and things are hanging and they've got a lovely visitor center here. Mm-hmm. After taking some time, more than 30 seconds... And walking around the visitor center, we got our merch, um, we buy our patches, and this section is definitely very small. Um, We were there still during COVID protocols being in place, so it was like only three people allowed in the visitor center at a time kind of thing. So we did what we needed to in the store. While we were at the uh, visitor center, we chatted with park ranger named Joseph, and he suggested a couple of things that we hadn't earmarked at this point for the park. And first of those was the Bailey Homestead. They had a ranger guided tour in the afternoon. And while we don't always do these, we had time and some extra curiosity this day. So we planned for it and and we were thrilled. The ranger also mentioned a trail nearby the Bailey Homestead called the Cowles Bog Trail. Okay, admittedly, we've been referring to this as the Bog Trail in our research and in our preparation for this episode. Um, It could also be pronounced the Coles Bog Trail. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And if you return your Amazon packages there, you get some Kohl's cash. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow, there it is. Not a sponsor, but could be. (laughs) So Joseph had mentioned that it was a flat trail and that it went through wetlands, wetlands, which we were like, great. More wetlands. Biodiversity. Mm -hmm. Perfect to add to our day. It's also flat. That'll be a nice addition. Mm -hmm. Also, interesting little piece of information. Indiana Sand Dunes National Park and State Park is one of the most biodiverse spots in the entire MPS. Oh, things I'm just learning right now. The ranger also suggested that this trail would be 
um, short enough that we could get to it before the timed tour, which was a little bit of a race the clock moment for us. For we sure. knew it would be. Yeah. Um, so we departed and on our way out, we noticed some enormous murals that were outside of the visitor center. Um, the images were a mix of animals and splashes of color and a little bit of artistic chaos. They were super, super cool. There was also, I believe, like a buffalo outside the main yes. entrance. There are some cities that have like an animal mascot, like I've seen this in Baltimore before, where the city will like commission artists to paint these crabs. Baltimore mm-hmm. is known for its crabbing and they'll paint them like in a muralistic style. And so they'll plant them all over the city. So I feel like this Buffalo sort of had that kind of feel to it. Yes. Yeah. So all of the murals that were out there were by an artist who is known as RC, A-R-C-Y or Ryan Christensen. And there's, there's actually murals like that of other animals in other national parks and other natural spaces in the U S in the UK and also in Australia. In Australia. That's right. Mm-hmm. The ones that I remember, definitely there was a fox, there was a bison, Mm -hmm. and a rainbow trout. Mm Mm-hmm. So we uh, took these in for a minute, and then um, we uh, got in the car and headed toward the Cowles Bog Trail. So it wasn't a far drive to the trailhead of the Bog Trail from the visitor center. We parked at the Greenbelt Trailhead. So pulling in here kind of felt like Mississippi for me because the ground was flat. There were giant power lines stretching over flat fields. And also, like, marshland, it was quite Mississippi. We were, like, right by the train tracks, if I remember correctly, when we parked. And was there a ranger that was there right when we got yes, there? Yeah, there was a ranger sort of sitting. Yeah, to like, kind of, like, check your pass, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there weren't too many cars parked here in this parking area. We just geared up as soon as we could, just because our time was short, and we set off on this trail. So the Kalsbog Trail can be as long as a 4.7-mile loop, but... We We were making it shorter because of time, because of this tour we wanted to do, and we were going to do a 3.5 mile loop. The trail is laid out like the shape of the number eight, with two different trails from two different spots that sort of would bring one to the bottom loop of the eight. And so we were taking the one from the Greenbelt Trailhead, walking out to the eight, and then we were just going to do a loop around the bottom circle of the eight, and then come right back. Based on the time that we needed to arrive for the tour of the Bailey Homestead, we knew we were going to have to keep a solid, solid pace on this trail. So this was like, it's rare that we've encountered trail, I would say, in our all of our journeyings, where it's like we had a specific timeline where it was like, we got to dip. Obviously, if we're hiking in one park and then leaving for another park that day, typically we're like, we would like to leave at this time because the drive time. But this was like a, we firmly should be done by this time because it's going to take us this time to drive over to the Bailey and then go from there. So we had to be very mindful of that. So when we started the trail, it was kind of like a dirt path through a field. And at the very beginning, kind of almost felt like a dirt road with giant industrial power line structures to the left and fences around. And then there were also wetlands in the distance over to the right. I remember us talking at the time we were like, these power lines are huge. Yeah, they were. And we were like, there was water on that side too. Yeah. The structure was into the sediment of the water riverbed. And so we were, we talked a lot about like, I wonder if that power is being used to power Chicago. 
Central. Yeah. And because Chicago is Not literally, you can see it yeah. from Indiana Days. Mm-hmm. After getting to the end of this dirt path, dirt road, which is not the most scenic of areas, that's for sure, um, we head right. So it, the trail basically curves us to the right. And the fence also changes at this moment in time. And this is where we come across some interpretive signage. So the sign shared that the bog was called the Cowles Bog and the Great Marsh, which is what the greater area is called. And it was formed thousands of years ago when Lake Michigan's water receded which left these wetlands in place. Currently, the NPS is working on restoring these wetlands, removing invasive species like hybrid cattails, and replacing them with other native species. And honestly, this is a really beautiful view across these vast green wetlands at this point. So we continue on. We now pass what looks to be, well, it was an older gentleman and a younger gentleman, and we theorize that they sort of looked like father and son. But, um... But were they? Well, I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. But we can't assume anything. Mm-mm. They did both sort of smell like they had partaken, partaken. of some... They had had a bit of an herbal refreshment. <laughs> Thank you, in, Ty. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. Shut up, you guys got coke here? <laughs> In the woods, because we're headed into some woods now. Mm -hmm. Would you enjoy herbal refreshment with your parents? (laughs) I feel like your parents have asked that of you before. Ask what of me? To 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 join them them in partaking of herbal refreshment. No. No. They haven't? No. Oh, I thought they did. No. Mm. No, they've talked about their own experiences Ah. with it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But no. Yeah. What about your parents? Well, my mom. Um, <laughs> herbal refreshment. Herbal. That is what I did. My mom. She has had some in the form of um, consumables. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I love how delicate this whole conversation right, is. And um, and yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, we. Um, I think you know, I certainly had given her some once sure. because she was having trouble sleeping. Sure, and I was like. Let yeah. me try this, you know? So, um, so yeah, she also has some like medical, um, prescribed experience with it mm-hmm. from like pain relief that she has dealt with. Yeah. So she's not totally unfamiliar, but sure. like, I wouldn't say that she herbally refreshes recreationally. Mm, great. <laughs> so, um, next we're headed into these woods and I say that they're woods, but really it's like a canopy. Mm-hmm. It's like a yeah. canopy of green and like, it's incredibly lush and you can tell that it's by a water source because of how green mm-hmm. it is. And the wetlands are really peeking through the trees or rather you can see the wetlands through the trees it ends up being significantly cooler in these woods. And again, it is the thing that's, I think, shocked the both of us the most about Indiana Dunes and Indiana, um, the state park and the national park was that they were just so green. Like that was the thing that I just walked away thinking, gosh, this is such a green park for being quote unquote, a sand park. There's clearly something about, you know, fresh water and plant life. It makes things very green, you know, obviously that sounds, you know, like it's very common knowledge to think that but here we're seeing just such a vibrancy of green in such a area where there is so much water Mm -hmm. Um, and And so much fresh water specifically because Mm -hmm. Lake Michigan is a freshwater lake yeah so that and by freshwater we mean not saltwater Mm -hmm. like the ocean yeah Um, this trail as we're walking is mostly flat but there are some occasional hills here I remember kind of feeling like it felt like kind of like a dirt bike path through the woods it's yeah, it did. like that kids had like carved out and like made some ramps. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking like, you know how sometimes you can put on sunglasses 
dresses that have that um like a polarization like a polarization on, mm-hmm. on them um i was not wearing sunglasses with polarization on it but i felt like looking in real life into this canopy felt like looking through something with a polarized lens just mm. because it was so bright canopy hiking right Mm-hmm. Love it. So we eventually reach the juncture point that we need to turn left on, which is going to just basically keep us on the bottom half of this eight. And um, that takes us across the eight. The figure eight that is the shape of the trail, not like the eight trail, like in San Dunes uh, State Park. Yeah. Correct. What I do remember at this moment is we were both in a bit of a mood at this moment because mm-hmm. we were both on, I think we were uh, feeding each other's diatribes because mm. we were definitely diatribing about heteronormativity and how this world is made for hetero relationships and how hard it is to buy a house and how much easier it is to buy a house when you're in a hetero relationship, right? Sure. You know? I think it's more of when you're just in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. but particularly a hetero relationship. Sure. Certainly. I guess so, yeah. We were... I think we, we were just like, you know... We were in our feels. We were in the feels. And about. having sister moment. Mm-hmm. Having a sister moment, I should mm-hmm. say. Welcome to the stage sister moment. Uh-huh. After we make our way to the other side of the eight and you know continue to bitch our way along <laughs> we turn left again and this links us back up with the spot where we came into the wood did we see the dad and son again yes we did. yeah we mm-hmm. saw them again here right mm-hmm. this was interesting yeah and i was just like they're high <laughs> i think they were this time <laughs> they yeah. definitely were mm-hmm. yeah we were looking at the clock the whole time yeah and we were certainly looking at it now and we were like okay we have to get back to the car and so we just hoofed it yeah because we were like we're got we got to get back to the car so that we can make it on time for this thing. Yeah. For this uh, guided tour that we didn't want to miss. So yes, our long strides and our gay pace, mm-hmm. you know, made it possible for us to get back the way we came off the trail and to the car in a flash. With gams like these and my homosexuality, I can run anywhere at half the speed. <laughs> and with that, let's take our first break. All right. It's moving. We're playing Montage Song. Mm-hmm. We actually haven't played this in a while. Yeah, we haven't. So <laughs> it's not like what we usually say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. So this game is about like your life is a movie mm-hmm. and um, you have to pick a moment. We've played a version of this on an episode where we said, okay, this sort of prologue to your life, mm-hmm. what happens in the prologue and then what song is playing mm. while the prologue Prologue is happening. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to all of our episodes and find that one <laughs> if you want. I'm Good not luck. sure which one it's on. Um, but here is my uh, offer to you. Mm. The moment is your first heartbreak. Mm. And um, I want you to choose the song. And feel free to describe the moment if you would like. You can describe the moment and then choose the song that plays as the actor who's playing you like walks away from this moment. Mm. Okay. Um, I feel like I've talked about this before, like the heartbreak moment. And that's like, I, in my early gay days, um, now that I'm like, you know, a thousand years old, I had met someone via MySpace. So I just dated myself. I was going to school in Philadelphia. He lived back home. We started to chat. We, when I was home over the summer, we got together a few times. He was for my first kiss. That was a dude. And he, he basically like tried to be like, I'm not, you know, 
I'm not good for you. Like, don't like he tried to talk me out of like wanting to be interested in him. And I later came to find out via MySpace it's because he was seeing somebody else. And so, um, yes, I remember talk this. about the disappointment and the darkness. So um, was your heart first heartbreak moment like all by yourself in a room all by yourself? Um, like when you found out in um, MySpace? No, I think I was in the computer lab at school, actually. Oh, because, even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's not embarrassing. So I think the song is... Lay a whisper on my pillow. <laughs> really? <laughs> Leave the winter <laughs> on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wake up lonely. Yep. Pair of silence. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that song. It's a great song. Must have been love, yep. but it's over now. Mm-hmm. So that would be my um. Uh, that'd be my heartbreak song. What a great song for that moment. And it's just been downhill since then. So. <laughs> <laughs> just dis- another disappointment. Another disappointment. <laughs> Splashed across page six. That's what my love life has been, is just a lot of disappointment. <laughs> yeah, your, mo- your card's coming. It's yeah, coming. Sure. And how about you, <laughs> now that I've made a dower? <laughs> well, I mean, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> so, because you are the dowager countess, <laughs> if there ever was one. It's true. Okay, my first heartbreak. Okay, um... Okay, here we go. I can't believe... Okay, I had an experience... There were no women! <laughs> <laughs> in my early gay days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my first heartbreak was like fourth grade with this girl that ended up becoming one of my best friends. But mm-hmm. this was my first like adult heartbreak. And of course, as a queer person and as a gay person, it was uh, sort of like um, just have to like having your heart break publicly in front of everybody, but it's silent and to yourself in front of a room of all these other people. Oh, um, I had been um, in the computer lab. I was <laughs> Not in the computer lab at college. (laughs) No, I was, it was in my early 20s. I was at a rehearsal and I had just met this person that was going to be a part of the show that I was working on. Mm -hmm. And he was so beautiful and so talented. And I was like, oh my God, that's, I'm in love with him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that was the phrase I used Mm. to myself. I am in love. Like I, I remember like I had met him like at a few rehearsals and then it was we had to go to I had to go to Mississippi I think probably I went to Mississippi for some reason and I remember just like pining for him Mm -hmm. God we're so dramatic love (laughs) makes us so dramatic oh Ramon pining for him (laughs) and and imagining like what our life would be like together and Mm -hmm. like excited to like you know like for him to come down and meet like meanwhile we have had maybe a couple of casual conversations mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. but you know when you're a gay person who doesn't get to you know like date and figure out that part of yourself in high school and in college yeah. with everybody else while it's all messy and everybody's figuring it out then it happens here in mm-hmm. your early 20s mm-hmm. or mid 20s or whenever mm-hmm. and so the next rehearsal I went to I was so excited to see him and then we talked and blah 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 and then um, and then he was like oh yeah this is my girlfriend and I just had to meet her in front of everybody else and like devastated and dying inside Mm -hmm. and I think the song that would play for me is I can't make you love me if 
you don't mm-hmm. that song mm-hmm. um because if we're gonna lean into the drama mm-hmm. let's lean all the way on i can make your heart feel something that it won't right oh that song deep in oh. i forget the rest of the lyrics but yeah yeah, yeah that, that is, is it. that's it mm-hmm. yeah and that's life right mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. and that is montage song so where we needed to go was just across the main road and the main road running through this area of um, Indiana Dunes is Route 12. So we literally just crossed Route 12 to the other side, mm-hmm. to the south side of Route, Route 12. Mm-hmm. And then it brought us to a parking lot at the end of that road. And that is where we were meeting for the trailhead for the Bailey Homestead Tour. We got out of the car. I think we might have even changed into sneakers because this was described as a very light sort of experience. And we weren't going to be hiking traditionally. I don't believe either of us brought our bag, maybe just a water bottle with us. And a group of us gathered at Trailhead. We met a young couple who had a camera and a recording equipment for their YouTube channel. Uh, We exchanged some stickers with them. They were very sweet. And between them, there was another small family in us. And that was our tour group. And then the tour guide arrived and his name was Ranger Bill. And he was super lovely and super friendly and super knowledgeable. He shared with us that he was a part-time ranger and also a full-time agriculture teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was so intrigued by that as having high school agriculture classes. But it makes mm-hmm. sense considering exactly where we were. That's right. So the first leg of our tour was a walk on a trail for a bit. Now, typically on things like this, when you're moving on a trail and everybody's like lined up, like you're not getting any information from the tour guide at that point. We were just sort of moving to another spot before you stop. And that is what we were doing here. We did finally get to the homestead, mm-hmm. which is a giant home in the middle of this like open area yeah. past some trails. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few other people around who were not on a tour yeah. but who were just exploring. Milling around. Yeah. Just milling around and then there was us. And you don't have to take a tour to get here. So no. this is not like a ticketed event. Once you enter into the field there are actually a lot of different structures here within this open field. But yes, there is a large home. The home is named for Hanur, Gretien, Joseph Bailey de Messien. White! <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, this white fur trader who was one of the first white settlers to start developing the Calumet region, which is what this area is also known as. It served as a stopover for travelers and missionaries because, of course, we cannot have colonization without missionaries. Right. And Jesus. And um, <laughs> was a stopover for those people traveling from Chicago to Detroit. It was optimally placed on these two trading trails and it is now a national landmark. We stood here and we had some time to kind of take all of this in while Ranger Bill was also kind of illuminating us to the history of the house and the structures that were there at the site. He also gave us some time to kind of meander and look at everything that was in this kind of open area of the Bailey. There's definitely like the main house and then some structures to the side of it. There's sort of like a couple other things about and around like a shed and like some smaller structures. Now we could not go into the main house. And you know, I found the design of the main house to be a little odd because... 
I guess I was expecting something that was had architecture that was a little more period Mm -hmm. and it was this was not right but I do feel like some of the other structures like there was I think there was a chapel if I'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. there were a few other like smaller home structures that were there Um, they felt a little bit more dated those were more period but this big house felt a little like could have also just been someone's house in the 1950s Mm -hmm. it definitely had siding bricks stones it also had gutters like for rain yeah you know so also ranger bill mentioned that recently the secretary of the interior deborah holland had come to visit indiana dunes national park and actually saw the bailey homestead when we were you know had time to kind of mill around here we also were able to like chat with bill and kind of get some more information about just the park in general and a little bit more about what it was like you know at the time he did sort of give us an idea of what it would have been like to live in this area at the time so he painted a portrait of you know historically how people would have lived at this time which i feel like if you're going into a historical site is worth mentioning especially if there's not sure informational placards you know after we left this area it was time to move on to the next section of the tour which was down a trail a little ways so we have to all take a trail down and then we eventually end up at this elevated cemetery burial area Mm -hmm. ranger bill told us that this was the bailey cemetery and that there are quite a number of bodies buried in it so ranger bill told us when we arrived that we were at the bailey cemetery there are apparently a good deal of bodies that are buried in the cemetery and it's it's weird because it is an elevated platform you would think that there would be vaults in the walls or something like a mausoleum but it's not um there was a giant cross in the center it's very strange too because apparently um things we learned that some times the neighbors would try to bury their dead here as well and apparently at the time the neighbors were swedish they were of swedish descent oh okay and that's the thing (laughs) bury we bury your dead (laughs) the swedish thing comes up again later oh okay so apparently they would try to bury their dead here and this was like very much poo-pooed by mrs bailey who insisted that they stop but apparently they didn't give a damn and they continued to do so anyway (laughs) when she was out of town she even like she was the reason why they built this like limestone cinder block structure Mm -hmm. around this area and like literally there's just like bodies in there Mm -hmm. just like tons of bones Mm -hmm. there's also like talk that it might also be on top of indigenous burial ground but there's no way of really knowing because some of the bones have been exhumed Mm -hmm. um, but they can't tell who whose bones they are sure so they've all been replaced there respectfully but um but yeah yeah so yeah there's no way to confirm that we did walk around this around the perimeter it's big it's a big structure it's a really big structure mm-hmm. and um it was certainly eerie yeah it definitely felt like i do remember bill talking about like leading ghost tours here ghost yeah in this i think it was in the summer or closer i think they do it a few times a year and just imagining being out there at this time of night was not something i think any of us were particularly excited about because it did feel very eerie and i feel like it would be very eerie at night i agree i don't know that i would want to go there 
at night. We were there right in the middle of the day. Now it was time to head to the next section of the Bailey Homestead tour, which involved a farm. We head back the way we came toward the main homestead, then we turned left, and that brought us to Shelberg Farm. So this was a preserved farmhouse um, that a Swedish family owned, and they had operated a farm here from 1890 to 1910. It begs the question if these were the Swedish neighbors. Oh, yeah. There right? we are. Yeah. So it was. it's a fully brick house with two floors. Um, walking up to the house, there were some garden beds and uh, some fenced-in areas with animals yeah. because it's still a working farm. Yeah. There were some pigs and chickens. That's right. <laughs> the pigs were so funny because it was a hot day and yeah. they were just like in the muddy water. Yeah. Like rolling around for sure. Pigging out. We did get to go inside the house. I feel like Bill had to, the ranger had to get a key. So we were able to go through a space that was not the front door. So we went through the back of the house and he, you know, talked a little bit about the house. We were really only able to walk in to the kitchen and then the living room area. There really wasn't anywhere else for us to go, but it did feel like a little bit more of a modern house than, again, I would have expected from, you know, the farm running till, you know, 1910. So yeah, I just was kind of, again, surprised at the feel of everything in there as well. So from here, we head on to the final leg of the trail, which was heading back toward the trailhead. Something else that we also want to mention while on this tour is that Ranger Bill told us we had stopped in the middle of the woods while we were on a walk around this area, and he told us about this thing called a direction tree. Mm-hmm. And so the direction tree is really interesting. It's a tree typically at the intersection of a trail or two trails. It looked like it was growing out of the ground and then immediately sort of curving down towards the earth and then back up to grow upward. So we had definitely seen trees like this, not just in Indiana Dunes, like in other spaces as well. And we'd always been curious about what those trees were and why they were growing like that. What he told us is that oftentimes indigenous people would pin the tree down to the earth to help provide a direction for basically a marker as far as which way to go next. So these are called direction trees, which I thought was such a cool thing. And then they continue to grow like that the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we've definitely seen trees like that before on other trails. And now I'm... Now I'm going to keep my eyes out. And now we notice them, Mm -hmm. right? We notice them as direction Mm -hmm. trees. When we finished up at the Shelberg farm, Bill was like, you're welcome to walk back with us to the parking lot. We're going to follow this trail, but you can also cut across. Um, There's fields that you can kind of walk through that'll take you right back towards the parking lot a little quicker, but you don't have to walk with us as a group anymore if you don't want. He said this to the entire group. And um, this is the point where you and I were like, okay, bye. (laughs) I mean, the tour was lovely, but I do find like that, you know, when we talk about what sort of, you know, tour takers we are, I had also hit the moment where I was like, my wall is here for tours at the moment. So it was nice for us to be able to enjoy the tour. It was really informative. I think it's worth it to do for sure. Um, But I think after having done how many trails at this point on this day already, like four or five, yeah, like my wall was coming real hard. And there was still one other thing that we wanted to do on this very first day that we were in Indiana Dunes State and National Park. And with that, let's take our second break. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Sailor Twift. Mm-hmm. God, I love a spoonerism. Mm-hmm. Sailor Twift. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's in the canon of um, Sailor Moon. Um, oh, you she's think? like she is like the forgotten sailor. Oh, I see. I mean, okay, all of those so sailors she's of, like were, the Sailor Moon universe, right? Um, all those sailors were named after planets. That's um, right. So Twift, the Twift planet, the Twift planet. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Taylor Swift has a planet. Oh, totally for sure. Like she's her created fandom. her own. Yeah. The, yeah, mm-hmm. planet on its own here. So she's Sailor Twift. Sailor Twift. Mm-hmm. And um, so does Sailor Twift only do Taylor Swift music? Or That's no? a great question. I mean... I would love for... Okay, here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I think Sailor Twift is a little sci-fi mm-hmm. and a little well, electronica yeah. and a little bit robotica. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does original music, mm-hmm. but samples Sailor Taylor Swift <laughs> music. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. In it. Mm-hmm. So it's like always a reference to Taylor Swift, but it's yeah. still iconically themselves. Mm-hmm. Sailor Twift. Sailor Twift, yeah. I feel like there's a very big um, influence of Japanese culture in yes. Sailor Twift's um, I see it. Uh, her whole shtick. Um, and I do feel like that's very important. Um, and I feel like it works really well, especially with like her sampling and like what she's doing. So I feel like part of her merch is actually comic books or manga that are about her and her adventures. If we're going with a Sailor Moon type theme, I feel totally. like that I works really it. well. Yeah, yeah. She definitely, in the same way that Taylor Swift has built a universe with folklore, mm-hmm. with Easter eggs, with like references, mm-hmm. Sailor Twift does the same thing on their own and in their own way. Yeah. So Thades and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Welcome to the stage. Sailor Twift. All right, so we're now on the third portion of this day. We've done quite a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we're, we're on the third portion of this episode, but really this is like one, two, three, four, five, part six of the day, sure. if we in- include the visitor center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Twas a full day. Twas. And it and wasn't even that late. No. no. And we were now going to go do Mount Baldy. Yeah. Which is the largest dune in Indiana Dunes. In the national park. But in the national park. Not the largest dune in the area. Correct. That's, yeah, that's important so, to distinguish. Mm-hmm. We had to drive about 20 minutes to the other side of the park to get to Mount Baldy. Mm-hmm. It was nice to sort of see the little, like, shops and little restaurants yeah. along the way here. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have any time to drink it on this day. No, we were dead Mostly tired. because Mike said no. Yep, just a disappointed dad over here all mm-hmm. the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. So, um... You know, the time or the money for that. You don't need any of that. Mm-mm. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. Can you you go in there? You don't need any of that. (laughs) And you don't. Um, we park the car when we get in to, so first of all, this lot was, it was kind of wild because the dune is at, the foot of the dune is at the edge of the parking lot. Also, if you remember from a million episodes ago, because this is the third episode on the same day, it had rained when we had come into the Indiana Dunes area the night before. This parking lot felt like it was sort of flooded too. There was giant puddles throughout the parking lot. Clearly it needed a little bit of a repave, but, um, we, um, basically are 
able to park right at the foot of the dune, which is very strange. It's like the dune is just encroaching into the parking lot and NPS is like, well, you can't park in these spots anymore because the dune is taking it. Um, So it was very, very odd. So we walk from the car and we head toward the area where people can like get to the other side of Mount Baldy because like there were a lot of dead trees growing out of the sand here. I took a lot of photos of this. Oh, and who's going to have a coffee book now? Uh-huh. Well, they can just be like little bonuses An addendum. that go into yours. We saw these three younger rangers sitting in these lawn chairs over by the restrooms and we went up to them. We were like, so what do you do to do Mount Baldy? And they were like, oh, you just like climb up and over it and get to the beach. That's what you do. Well, you're not really climbing over Mount Baldy. Your Mount Baldy is like, they're like, don't climb it because you could fall into it. Like, well, yeah, but you're, you're th- going there's up a, a hill. section yeah. that is a hill that is not a like dune proper, I would say. Well, no, that section may, is not necessarily like a proper dune, but yeah. it's part of Mount Baldy. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, just go trail is up we'll and say. over that and mm-hmm. then that'll bring you to the other side of Mount mm-hmm. Baldy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. So we headed over that way. This was a bit of a steep grunt. Yeah. To get up this section, essentially we have to get up over and then down the other side. And the wild thing is, is that this is a beach for people. So we were watching people climb up with us and people coming back that had like, here's a cooler that I'm carrying. Here's all this beach gear. It was kind of a strange thing. I'm like, I think I turned to you and I was like, I'm so glad that we're not doing that right now. For real. I think we were also tired, but this is, and I do remember it being described as quite a grunt to kind of get onto the beach and then up to, you know, where you needed to go. And it's certainly was. Mm -hmm. We grunted our way up. We felt it the whole way. And then we got to this area that sort of was like a lookout area. Yeah. Where we could see all of the beach and we could see Lake Michigan and we could see Chicago over to one side and we could see the um, factories factories over on the other. Yeah. But there we were also surrounded by trees yeah. and it was very tropical here. Yeah. It felt so, a little rainforest. It was almost. wild. Very strange. Yes. And basically in order to get to the beach, you have to go down a steep hill. So we're like, okay, well, as we were climbing, climbing up the initial hill, we're like, well, this will be easy going back down. And then we get to the beach and it's like, damn it. I know. <laughs> so we we're like, are we going to go down there? And we both decided to. Yeah. Um, we were like, we've made it all the way here. We're yeah, going to do it. Yeah. So, um, yes, we go down to the beach and then we do lovely beach things. We stroll yeah. along the beach. We put our feet in the water. Mm-hmm. We sit on the sand. We mm-hmm. look to the left and see Chicago, which is an excellent view of Chicago mm-hmm. from right there. And then over to the right, we could just see factories factories <laughs> wild factories so strange. and then a lot of people just here having a beach day yeah i mean it was warm like it I it was a foot, hot summer day yeah i put my feet in the water and like enjoyed the hell out of it it was beautiful i mean people were like truly swimming like here this was clearly like beach spot i was like damn i wish we had brought like towels this would have been like such a nice respite for the end of the day but we didn't have a ton of time and and I think we were both like, we're done. <laughs> we wanted to sit for a little bit and then just enjoy. And we totally did. It was so nice to just know that this was the last thing we were doing and to be able to take it all in. And it was a beautiful day to be able to do that. So after spending a lovely moment here, we collected ourselves again and said, all right, we're going to head back. And then we had to go up, over and down that section of, you know, trail again in order to get back to the parking lot. Uh-huh. We 
said hello again to the three young rangers. And you're like, I want oh, to give them rangers. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Um, you were like, let's give them stickers. And because this is what something we were like using as our calling cards. Or Checks. as business cards. Checks. <laughs> Checks. Um, Instead of business cards, we yeah. were just giving stickers if we ended up engaging with somebody. Yeah. We chatted with them and then we did. We gave them some stickers. Mm-hmm. And um, after like having a lovely little chat and talking about what we had done that day and what we had planned to do the next day, we hightailed our way back to the car, drove on back to the Airbnb and relaxed the heck out of our evening. Okay, so let's put these items on the Karen Stone scale. Great. Let's start with the bog bog trail. trail. The bog trail is like a three for me. Um, It wasn't super difficult, uh, but there was a little bit of elevation gain and loss on the trail. It wasn't just flat. So I can't just give it like a one or a two. It's definitely a three for me. It's a three for me as well, because um, there was a lot of it that was dirt path, but it wasn't like a totally flat dirt path. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. Six out of 20 Karen Stones. Great. The Bailey Homestead. The trails on the Bailey Homestead, I would give that a two because those were really flat and that was pretty even earth and grass-like trails. So I'm going to give it a two. That's what I was thinking too. Great. So a four out of 20. Great. On the Karen Stone scale. Now, this section of Mount Baldy that we had to go up and over... Not very long. No, but annoying. and But steep. annoying. Yeah. I'm giving it a four. That's exactly what I was thinking too. So, and our, you know, matchup, mashup here. It's I like, mean, let's be real. We're not usually that far away from each other. We aren't. Voting but for usually, Karen Stone. Usually it's like, you know, one of us is a number off or two of sure. one another. So, all right. So, yeah. Eight out of 20. And with that, let's end this episode with some Jeopardy style trivia. All right, who would like to start? I can start. Great. Go for it. I'm so ready. I was inspired by the fact that we were in the prairie, like in the prairie landscape <gasps> here. Please tell me you have an entire category dedicated to Laura Ingalls Wilder. No. <laughs> because I would probably not do that well, but I would get very excited. I did read all of her books as okay. a child. Um, so I was thinking about the prairie and I was thinking what comes to mind first and it's Prairie Home Companion is the <gasps> first thing that pops into my head. Ah. But, um, I don't really know much about Prairie Home Companion. So here's what I did. This game is called Prairie Home Companion Synonyms. So I'm going to describe, the clue will be three descriptors, all of which are synonyms for the words prairie, home, Got it. and companion. I'm ready. And you need to come up with the new title for this NPR show. Got it. (laughs) I'm ready for this. All right. For 100. An important marshy space, a small rental dwelling, the name for a friend in Spanish. Um, what is a wetlands flat compadre? Mm, I'll take it. I'll take it. I was looking for wetland apartment amigo. (laughs) Oh, okay. Great. Great. (laughs) Great. Great. For 200, a grassy plain in a subtropical region whose name also shares that of a Georgia city, an own space that most likely has a homeowners association. Association. (laughs) That was some Moira Rose if I ever did. Uh, Association. (laughs) 
I'm a part of the Homeowners <laughs> Association, David. Alexis, <laughs> I can't meet with you now because I'm having my convening of the Homeowners Association. All right. A grassy plain in a subtropical region that also shares the name with the Georgia city, an owned space that most likely has a homeowners association, and a word for friend that sounds like it's what you throw in the water to attract sharks. What is a Savannah house bait? No. What is a Savannah condo chum? Oh, chum. Yeah. Hmm. Condo. Yeah. A house doesn't usually have a homeowners association. Not all, yes, there are. There, I know many people who own homes, and there's a homeowners association. They're in a development, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, Def- yeah. Okay. All right. Well, sorry. Okay. okay. For three hundred, a flat raised landmass of the Southwest U.S., a cozy woodland dwelling with a thatched roof, and someone who would fight beside you in battle. So. Is it a Mesa cabin partner? Who is someone that would fight beside you in battle? Like your, your if fellow England soldier. England and France oh, are... Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so your... And do Mesa... cabins usually have thatched roofs? Then Okay, then is it a Mesa cottage ally? There you go. How <laughs> <laughs> to help you along. Great. All right, for 400, an arid landscape with very little rainfall, a log structure usually found in the woods, how I might describe a friend or ally in Russia. Well, I know it's a desert cabin, and I don't know the Russian word. What is comrade? Oh, comrade. What is a desert cabin comrade? And lastly, for 500, a large and sudden elevation of the earth, which abruptly rises, oftentimes to points and ridges, a resident fit for a king and how Australians describe their friends. What is a mountain castle mate? I'll take it. Mountain palace or mountain castle mate. Great. Great. And that is prairie home companion. I like it. I like it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So since the title of this episode is called Bog, Bailey, and Baldy, Mm -hmm. this entire category of Jeopardy is adjective noun verb. Great. But they all start with Bs. Oh, okay. So it's all B words. Strap in. Strap in. Okay, for 100. A shy Hollywood starlet of family fame. And I'm going to say that again. A shy Hollywood starlet of family fame whilst window shopping. What is a bashful Barrymore browsing? That's right. Mm -hmm. For 200. A casual and indifferent classical dancer with a side bend in their knee. What is a a blase ballerina bowing? Mm, Bowing? Not. No, not that. What is a blithe ballerina beveling? Beveling. Got it. Yeah. You know when you stand and then you just sort of like kick your knee in a little bit? Mm -hmm. You do that all the time. It's beveling. (laughs) For 300, Mm -hmm. pants with way too much fabric blowing like a flag in the wind. What are bell bottoms billowing boldly? No, we were looking for baggy britches billowing. Ah. Great. Great. Okay. For fuck. I mean, bell bottoms billowing would have worked. Bell bottoms billowing works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if they were braggy, baggy, baggy, braggy and baggy and baggy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. baggy and braggy bell Mm -hmm. bottoms billowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It works too. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, for 400, vampiric male livestock running directly toward you. What is blood-sucking bovines brampeding? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can get there heading straight toward you, full speed. What's the word we... Bull rushing. Mm. Boulder dashing. Maybe like it gets its term from an actual noun that is like wooden and cylindrical and when turned on its side... Barreling. There we go. Bloodthirsty. I would have also accepted bloodthirsty bulls barreling. Mm. Okay, and for 500... I used my $10 words. You did. (laughs) Bovines. Mm -hmm. Okay, for 500... A strong and muscular pastry chef preparing to make bagels. What is a buff baker boiling? I will totally accept that. Mm-hmm. I would have also accepted a brawny baker boiling. Great. Great. We had a, a three. We Our, our uh, categories were like in that they were all things of threes. In threes. In threes. Look at that. Mm-hmm. By the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. So, um, do you know what Shakespeare play that was from? It's from Macbeth, girl. Honey, right. you think you ain't know nothing? It was those three witches. That's mm-hmm. right. Of all the Shakespeare plays I know you would know, mm-hmm. it would be Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Because you're a little witch girl. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> welcome to my life. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of that, this has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to witch early and witch often witches are always out there. <laughs> I like how this took a weird turn at the it end. It did. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Witch <laughs> <laughs> To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gaze at the National Parks.com. That's gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on Instagram and our website, on our website, and in the Gaze Shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariella Klinger with Sean Cleo on guitar. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey. 